Well, let's now head to Harcourt Valley, which is for people who haven't been there. It's sort of you know over uh, near Bendigo, um, Castle Main, that sort of way. Good morning to you, Quinn. Quinn Livingston. Good morning, guys. How are you going? Going well. Um, so you're you're heading out for a ride shortly, are you? Yeah, just uh, heading out for a quick mountain bike ride this morning. Oh, nice. Well, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm happier that you said it's a mountain bike ride than a uh, road ride, but uh, that'll be quite fun. A little dangerous, though? A little bit, but, uh, you know, every, everything's a risk these days, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, now, I've known your winery for, for a long, long time. Uh, we used to go, well, have been there a few times, um, you know, your late father was running the running the place, so things have uh, uh, have changed, and now you and Kai are running the place. Yeah, so obviously, uh, yeah, we took over after my father passed away. Um, about it, almost, yeah, it was like um, two thousand and five. So wow. yeah, um, yeah, like it was a, a tra- strange transition time because we were, you know, young, youngish lads at the time, like early twenties. And it was, yeah, it was a, you know, a pivotal point in our lives because, you know, we were getting ready to march on with our own careers or whatever we wanted to do at the time. And then that kind of all came about. So we kind of just dropped everything to help on the farm for uh, a little bit and just to, to see what happened. And, uh, yeah, well, obviously we ended up sticking it out there. It's, I'm glad you did because you're making some pretty good wines. And, uh, and then also ginger beer you've moved into and, uh, and a few other things. So, um. So, where did you study your winemaking? So, I actually don't have a formal qualification in winemaking. Um, obviously, growing up around the farm, I was always involved in the um, in the harvest side of things, helping out during harvest and you know learning learning on the job. And then I did about six odd six or seven harvests up at uh, Bress when oh, yeah. that was when that was functional. Um, and I've also done uh, quite a few overseas harvests as well, so it's been just mostly on the job training for me rather than anything super formal. Learning by doing, <laughs> hey? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know, uh, so obviously we've got a little bit of uh, road noise going on in the background there, but um, so apologies to listeners for hearing that. But um, tell us a little bit about the move into the ginger beer because I understand that that... Has has sort of nearly overtaken the winemaking from a focus point of view. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, the move into ginger beer it came about as it was about two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Um, just you know, as as a wine business, just looking to diversify a little bit. Um, obviously, Harcourt is a you know it's a well known apple area, so I started to to batch up a few small cider brews and you know I was just I was just like you know what everyone in else in Harcourt's kind of making cider from from that perspective I was like well what else can we do and I'd always I'd always loved um, a few of the ginger beers in my younger days so I started uh, yeah, just doing some micro ferments making some some ginger beers in uh, some little 20 litre containers and then it's all it's all kind of gone from there really it's yeah, so, the, so the brand is Ginger Kid, um, yeah. And you make two different two strengths. There's a four and a half percent, and then there's the eight percent. Um, to be honest, I've only had the eight percent, but it is. It's not like you feel it's blowing your head off. It's 
so beautifully in balance. And it's an awesome drink. Like, you know, and, and so people just can't get enough of it, apparently. Yeah, no, the sales, um, yeah, ever since inception, it's just, it's still, it's still growing at the moment. Um, last year was, yeah, just the, uh, the biggest year we've had for the ginger kids. And yeah, people obviously love that flavor because we're, we're brewing from a hundred percent, you know, raw ginger, but we, uh, get down from Queensland. So it has that, you know, that natural ginger flavor. It's not, there's no, there's no fake flavors in there or anything. So I think people really enjoy that side of things. Um, yeah. and and the, the main comment is that it tastes like ginger beer that grandma used to make, only the bottle tops don't blow off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quinn, can I just ask, so, so someone mentioned that between the 4.5 and the 8%, uh, from what I understand, the 4.5% is actually fermented with honey, so it's essentially more of a, a, mead, a mead type. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, we make it that way. Uh, yeah, it just gives it some, uh, something a little bit different. You just get those really white nice light honey notes like we we just get like a canola honey which is really neutral but it's um yeah it's a nice sugar to ferment with and you get a really mild honey taste but obviously ginger being so strong it, 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 that dominates the palate but you, you just get a hint of that in the background it just gives it something else to the eight percent really yeah nice do you, do you find that there are almost two different audiences or is it you know you, you drink one you drink both uh we find that the Eight percent is far more popular for the uh, the take home audience, whereas the on premise mm. audience more is the the four and a half percent. It's just more, mainly due due to the um, the standard drinks issues, I think, because mm. in in one stubby of the eight percent, there's two point one standards, and in the four and a half, it's only one standard. So the on premise yeah. does prefer the four percent. Yeah. It's... Otherwise, that, that that makes total sense. Um, yeah, uh, I, I prefer four percent myself because you can drink more of it before you're feeling it too much. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is quite bizarre that the other uh, ginger beer thing has really taken off. So I'm based in the Gold Coast, and we have some boutique um, breweries around here, and. And they're just, it, it is like ginger beer is exploding everywhere. It's that very refreshing taste, especially if you're coming from quite a hot climate like it is up here. And things like wine during the day can just be, they're just too heavy and, you know, the alcohol content is so much more. So um, people are beginning to go and they don't necessarily want beer because like myself, I'm not really a beer drinker as such, but I've had some of these ginger beers and they are so, so good. And they actually go really well with food as well. So it's not like just a, a standalone, like the good old traditional, as you said, you know, grandma's stuff that was so kind of sticky and sweet. It's um, it's like this a, a huge new revolution. So it sounds like you're uh, you're really manning it down there. Yeah, I mean, it's also good to hang in for so long as well because, you, yeah, right, I mean, there are a lot of new ginger beers coming on the market, but... In the last 10 years, we've also seen a lot come and go too. So it's good It's good to still have a product that people are still enjoying and it's still finding some growth too. Mm. Um, well done. And so we're speaking with Kai, uh, with um, Quinn Livingston and uh, and we're talking about the ginger kid, um, ginger beer. And uh, so we can get it at retail down here, Quinn, in Melbourne. And um, have you got much distribution around the country? Like, for instance, could... You'll get hold of some in on the Gold Coast. So yeah, you can pick up the ginger beer at all first choice liquor 
uh, nationwide at the moment, and we do have we do have a lot of independents, which we really love as well. But yep. obviously, it's too hard to name them all because there's uh, yeah, there's stacks of them. So <laughs> if you if you keep your eye out, you'll see it at the independents, but definitely at all first choice. But oh, that's yeah, that's good because it's um, obviously that's that's a, an easy one to. Um, uh, and, and an obvious one to be able to um, to go and find. Uh, you've also on your website you've got the stockists, um, you know, some of the stockists listed as well, so people can find you know maybe they're more their local. Um, how's the wine business going for you uh, these days? Wine business is great, man. Um, we've scaled back a little bit since the uh, the ginger beers take off so much because that takes up a fair bit of my time. But um, it's good just to, to focus on the estate fruit because I was buying in a fair bit of fruit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to bring it all back home is great. So I can really focus on, you know, getting the best out of the fruit that we're actually producing on the property. Um, yeah, so on the property, we've, and it is a small vineyard that we do run. So we've got less than 10 acres of, of vines. But on there, we have quite a few varietals as well. So I've got Riesling, Chardonnay, Cab Sav, have Frog, Shiraz, and Melbourne. Mm. So it, it's enough to keep us busy over harvest anyway. So, Quinn, um, actually, um, I checked out your, your website and um, and I can't actually see any prices on the wines there. So what what are we looking at for, so your rosé, your Riesling, and the Chardonnay? So rosé and Riesling retail out at about $20 a bottle and the Chardonnay oh. is 25 mm. Oh, wow. That's great. Great. Oh, value, yeah, we really do keep them reasonably priced for the quality of the wine too. So yeah, and it's it's a it's a beautiful growing region um, over that way. I've got so Nick uh, who um, you know used to co-host this program before he became a a vigneron uh, or a, at least a viticulturalist. Uh, he's just planted Nebbiolo and he's he's in Harcourt itself. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a it's a really good. And it's a you know plenty of rain and but really good conditions for growing you know apples or vines yeah 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 it's great and the soils are really good because there's some, there's quite a few like there's a few different soil types running through the region as well and you know there's some higher parts as well because it's some of the region is on the foothill of Mount Alexander and then you can drop down into the valleys where we are where it's a, a bit bit lower down. But there's also that frost risk there as well, which we found out this year as well, again, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow, that's no, no good. Um, how, how have you gone with, have you got fruit set yet um, at this stage in the process? Uh, well, in our lower block, it's just reshooting. We lost, we lost the whole block, so yeah. we'll, um, they're just rebunning again now. And then up in the, in the higher block, it didn't get touched. The Chardonnay is... We're about at about 10 centimetre shoots now, so the fruit is appearing, but there's definitely no fruit set yet. Okay. Um, that, so when, when you lose it, um, the first um, flush, I guess, to, to frost, um, and when it reshoots, then is that... Do, do you find you get a loss of, um, of volume in that when, when that happens? Yeah, you get a major loss of volume. Mm. Um, it can be all of it depending on how late it is. We had one in 2018 where we basically we didn't pick the vineyard. So, wow. But this year, it was such an early frost, it's had a good time to shoot back. So we should get, you know, a third of what we usually get, maybe. Not sure. We'll see what happens when it, <laughs> it um, fruits. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, can I just say, so, Quinn, you've, so we've, 
You've also got these uh, raspberry meads and mango smashes, and um, I'm, I'm guessing they're sort of in a, a similar sort of vein as the ginger beer. Um, could, what's what's the honey badger raspberry mead about, and where did you get the inspiration for creating something like that? Yes, yeah, so I was doing a harvest over in Oregon in 2014, and I went to a wine show over there, and mead was like there was quite a few meaderies there and then making them making some stuff like, like you know in australia you really only see the um high alcohol sweet style but these were low alcohol fruit infused um carbonated drinks throughout of the fridge and i was i was really impressed so uh when i got home i just started tinkering around and thought i, I might make one as well so yeah that's that's how that came about and yeah it's like it's not the easiest sell, obviously, because it's meat and um, people don't really, you know, it's, it's not something we drink a lot of in Australia. But the, the concept is more, it's more like a cider, you would say, than a traditional style of meat. Um, and it, drink, it drinks a lot like a cider, so it's lightly fruity, there's that hint of honey, there's great balance between the acidity and the, there's a slight bit of residual sugar as well. So, yeah. Um, so, and what, what sort of uh, what sort of alcohol percentage are we talking about with that? So, the meat is four point five percent, so it's on on the lower lower end of the scale. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And and the mango one that we produce um, is yeah similar style again to that, only it comes in at the eight percent range, and that just that's a quite a bit sweeter, but yeah, it really just does taste like you know you you're sipping on like. Uh, carbonated mango drink and it's yeah it's, it's delightfully refreshing on a hot day um queen if we wanted to come and visit um is the cellar door open uh you know on weekends but also during the week and and can we taste all of the um beverages including you know the wines and the the uh, the other you know ciders and and um meads and things yeah, so you can. Um, Pre-COVID, we were seven days a week, but we had to rethink about how we wanted to run the business during this whole time. Um, so we're open Sundays, uh, 11, 12 to 4, sorry, um, yeah, every Sunday. And it's a triple three nine Harmony Way, Harcourt in Victoria. It's about yeah, an hour's kind of bit's drive north of Melbourne. Um, quite often have some, some music and some pizza guys in on Sundays as well so cool. you can check check out the socials and see what's happening at the winery on, on the weekends well, It sounds like it would be actually a really fun visit and it seems like you're, you're keeping yourself busy because you've got the beers and the wines and you've got the meads or all, 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 the, all the ginger beers but you also you have accommodation, you've got a restaurant um, and you, you also do weddings and functions, right? Yeah, so we've um, where my wife runs the function side of things, so we got weddings booked out for the next uh, two years, I think it is, because uh, obviously everything's had a lot of delays wow. and that kind of thing. So it's, get, it's getting a full schedule on Saturdays, which was another reason we had to kind of close on Saturdays as well. It's just getting, it was getting too hectic having a wedding and sell it all running at the same time. Yeah. Yes, right, I can imagine. <laughs> Wow, but it's obviously an incredible venue if you booked out two two years in advance. It's a yeah, wow. Actually, I haven't been down around that area for a wine tasting perspective. I know Simon, you have been, yeah, and uh, and, and you're quite a fan of it down there. You've got some stories, and you've you've known some people from kind of way back down there. Yeah, it's a it's a great part of the world, really. It's I mean, obviously, you've got you know. Um, uh, 
you know, Heathcote's not far away and there's quite a lot. But, um, Quinn, you mentioned um, Brest before, which sadly has closed now. But um, is anyone making their wine uh, still or is someone buying their fruit? Uh, I think the vineyard is being managed by another local guy and the the brand was sold to some other locals as well. So I'm not exactly sure where or what's happening to all the fruit from there, but the, uh, the vines are definitely still on the ground, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah mate, it's a, it's a great story and I'm, I'm really thrilled for you that, that things are going so well and, um, you know, the the, you know, Ginger beer, you know, who would have thought, you know, it's, it's such a, a thing now. And um, and as Jill said, you know, it's, as, as it gets warmer, it's, it's such a refreshing drink. And there's that, there's that little bite of, you know, in the back of your throat of, or the burn, you know, from ginger that just, I don't know, somehow it just kind of really makes it such a refreshing drink. Yeah, for some reason it just works. And if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I would have been... You know, making ginger beer is the main source of income for our, our brand. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought so, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, it's been, it's been a great, it's been a great ride, and it's, been, yeah, it's, a, it's a great story. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun process to do it too. So. Yeah. Um, well, Quinn, thank you. We um, we need to to head off. We'll let you go and uh, to have your mountain bike ride, and uh, look forward to coming up and and visiting uh, sometime soon. Now that we pretty much can we you know i think by the end of the week we should be able to be uh metro and regional all sort of aligned and uh and we can come and uh, come and visit again yeah you guys are coming out of lockdown and we're kind of going into it with our, with all the functions that we have every weekend now so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Self-inflicted, Quinn. Self-inflicted. Yeah, it's going to be great to have all you guys from Melbourne back. Let's be honest. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Quinn. We'll uh, we'll chat again, and um, and we'll keep an eye on the uh, the Ginger Kid story, definitely. So, so uh, Quinn Livingston from Harcourt Valley Vineyard. Um, thanks, mate. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.